Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ the fan. Also find us at Podcast MN, a new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. Also our Facebook page, Lakes Woods and Irons on Facebook. Leave us a comment there, question for Chris, ideas for the show, any of those kind of things, uh, whatever you think we can do for you. Chris, uh, good to talk to you again. Thanks, Mac. Uh, we're back at it. A couple things happening on the PGA Tour, and uh, just nice to have golf back. We say it every week, but it's uh, it's uh, it's true, so <laughs> that's why we say it. Now if we can just get Mother Nature to cooperate and keep uh, everything uh, uh, not not too wet to play, basically. So a little rain on uh, yeah, so that, we record it's, the show it's been a little been a little hit or miss over the last week, but uh, I'll tell you, the golf course is busy, and uh, I... I, I I honestly don't think I've ever seen the uh, the par three golf course at the Legacy as busy as it is right now. It's 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 fun to see, and people seem to be respecting the game and following the social distancing guidelines. And it's uh, it's great to have people out. It's uh, it's good for all of us. Yeah, it really is. It is nice to see the nice to see the golf the the, the crowds and and the quickness of play. We talked a little bit about it with Chuck last week, but it's very true. I mean, we're People are turning around there pretty quickly. I guess the it's funny that uh, two carts would go faster than one, but I guess <laughs> we kind of get down to business when we got our own cart. Just get out well, there. Well, yeah, and you're get not ready. you're not you're not waiting to go to your golf ball until the other person hits. And uh, right, you know, if you, if you if you think about it, if you if you only save let's say a minute to two minutes a hole, that if you save two minutes a hole, it's that's you know a half hour faster for. 18 holes so it, uh yeah just those little things we do uh, can can save a lot of time so i hope this carries over and do uh back when we're getting to ride two players to a cart yeah i think so and then with the uh, the pins in that's making a difference i mean that was an option anyway uh it seemed to be at first people liked it and then they started to take the pins out again but now the pins are in and i think it uh, definitely speeding up play that way too so a few yeah, seconds here sure. and there yeah. every hole a couple minutes like you said exactly Exactly. Makes a big difference. Uh, the couple big names in uh, in golf playing this weekend. It'd be interesting to see how a how a a matchup between twosomes uh, does ratings wise. But you couldn't hardly ask for better players: Dustin Johnson, Roy McIlroy, uh, Ricky Fowler, and the young gun who I won't think of his name, but you will. Matthew Wolf. Matthew Wolf. Yeah, the guy who won here in in Minnesota. So. That should right. be a lot of fun, and Ricky's uh, kind of getting some press for new irons that took a year to develop, and uh, he's going to showcase them on Sunday, I think. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's a bit of a uh, the whole thing's going to be a bit of a commercial for TaylorMade, but uh, uh, to have live golf again is going to be fantastic, and uh, one of the big draws is the, it's being played at Seminole Golf Club, which is you know consistently among the top five golf courses in the world, uh, Jupiter, Florida. And uh, what's neat is really it's never been, Seminole has never been shown on TV. It, um, you know, it's a, a very, you know, private golf club that uh, uh, they haven't had a lot of, of outside events. They're, they're hosting the Walker Cup a year from now, which is really the first uh, big tournament they, they've ever had there, but it's a, it's a fantastic Donald Ross golf course. It sits right in the ocean and um, in Jupiter, and um, it's a fantastic place. So it's mostly probably been logistics, Chris, to why they haven't maybe hosted a major or a PGO, just don't have a room for giant crowds maybe, huh? 
Well, I think more than anything, it's just that that's never been part of their, uh, you know, kind, kind of part of their mission. Okay. Um, Seminole is all about, it, it's really about the amateur game. And even though they have some, uh, a few primarily former tour players that are members there, uh, some of the great amateurs of all time have, have been members there. And it's a big, big part of their kind of their mantra is, is the amateur game and, and uh, great play and fast play. And uh, they really have a kind of, it's a, it's a great atmosphere. My son, Michael is actually an assistant golf pro there in the winter. And uh, it, it's quite a place. It's all walking. Um, I, I'm not sure how it's going to show on TV because TV so many times doesn't do a place justice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a special spot. Sounds fantastic. Be fun to see. Yeah. Uh, we've got a couple yes. uh, great guests, John Polkus, uh, vice president of global business development for Theragun, a product that you're familiar with. Be good to talk to uh, John and then, uh, Eric Barzeski and David Wedzik. Uh, they are authors of a kind of a good new book. That's getting great rave reviews. Lowest score wins. And uh, yes, it's, it seems so obvious, but uh, if they show us how to get a little lower, that's what we're looking for. Yeah, they, they've got some great stuff, and uh, I'm looking forward to talking to them. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us at Podcast MN, the new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. And also our Facebook page, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Uh, leave us a message there for Chris, and uh, he can uh, the expert can answer your questions. I can handle general knowledge. <laughs> Chris, uh, uh, special guest. This is going to be fun, I think. We've got uh, uh, a great guest. Let's you handle the introduction. I want to introduce Eric Brzezinski and Dave Wednesday. They are the authors of the book, uh, Lowest score wins, and recently came out with a video series by the same name. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks, Rob. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Colin. You bet. You know, lowest score wins. It's been on probably three or four years, I guess, and um, got my first copy of it when it first came out, and has had a big impact on the way I uh, teach people, you know, course management and how to practice and. Wanted to have you guys on the show to talk about that. Thanks. One of the things, so, guys, I, I, I was reading that just uh, was interest to me as kind of a mediocre golfer, I guess. Uh, lowest score wins is not your classic golf book. Show us a way to shoot lower scores immediately, which uh, immediately is a, is a good thing. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the – it's been one of the big things that's been a driving, I think, force behind everything we've done is – we tried to when we when we kind of put the project together. One of the things that we talked about for actually a number of years before we did it was that no one's ever done a book um, that's focused upon around not so much someone's opinion on um, how to swing a club or you know ideas behind mechanics and that sort of thing, but how I could pick up a book and after reading a chapter or a couple chapters or read for an hour or whatever, quite literally immediately know how to lower my score. Um, and that was really what we set out to do. That was the focus. And we were, we still say we were shocked to this day that 
the title. Nobody had ever done a book called Lowest Score Wins, uh, and we were we were excited even about that. So <laughs> yeah, a lot of the old game planning or strategizing books and stuff that were out there often had a lot of bad advice about like, oh, we'll just chip out and play safe and you know hit a four iron off this tee and you know all that kind of stuff and you know hit the fairway and all that. So that's the part that we're if golfers understand that and what we call their shot zones, which is kind of their distribution of their shot pattern. Um, if they understand the game planning that we prescribe and their shot zones, that's the stuff that lets them shoot lower scores pretty much immediately. Guys, you know, one of the things that we talk about on the show a lot is, is, is most people exercise. They don't practice because they really don't know how to practice. And I think one of the things the book does so well is addressing what you should practice in what you call separation values. Can you explain that? Yeah. So uh, separation value is really it governs everything we do. Uh, it governs everything the book is about. And really what it what it is, is by definition, it's separation value is a measure of a skill's potential to affect your score. So we looked at every skill in golf. Uh, we broke them down statistically. This can be, you know, this is data that can be found. It can be proven. And what we found out is that some some skills, um, and skills can be driving the ball, can be putting, could be something like green reading. Um, some skills have a great uh, potential to affect your score, and some skills have very little potential to affect your score. Um, and they tend to sort of the separation value gets greater and they become more important to your score and thus govern where you, where you should be spending your time the further you get from the hole, uh, generally speaking. And a quick example of that would be, you know, if somebody misses a two-foot putt or a one-foot putt happens to miss one, um, we've seen people actually out on the putting green doing things and, you know, they're all of a sudden they're working on their really, really short putts, the ones they make 99% of the time. Um, the argument against that would be that there's no separation value in that stroke. Uh, the 20 handicap, the 30 handicap, and the tour player make those virtually all the time. So um, hitting putts at that distance is a very bad use of time, just like, say, putts that you see people work on all the time in the 15 to 20-foot range. At all levels of golf, those are two-putted the great majority of the time. Um, so we looked, you know, just at every – every skill statistically and broke them down from highest to lowest and, you know, from separation value four down to one and found what things were the most important versus the least important. And a lot of the, a lot of the old stats were what you could call counting stats. And, you know, Dave Pels will tell you 50% of your shots come from inside of 60 yards. So you need to spend half your time doing that. But for example, a PGA tour player has nine tap ins per round that's about 12.5% of their shots. If they shoot 72, that's 12.5% of their shots. There's no way in heck that a tour player should spend anywhere near even 1% of their time practicing tap-ins. So the counting stats are getting replaced by more advanced stats about, like, you know, what's the value of a 240-yard drive versus a 280-yard drive? Even if the 280-yard drive is in the fairway versus the rough, you know, so we're getting into more advanced stats where we can actually break those things down. And we aren't just counting how many fairways did I hit, how far did my drive go. Um, you know, if it was offline, that's different than if it was straight, things like that. So um, a lot of the work that's being done in golf recently that we're a part of and everything else is, is moving away from counting stats to where, like Dave said, separation value really dives deeper into those things to assign a value and and an amount 
that one can separate himself from other golfers by different skills far more advanced than just counting up like how many putts did you have or how many fairways did you hit and i'll add one other thing too i think the most important part of this whole low score wins project was that we didn't just you know throw darts at the wall and think and just go based on our opinion on these things everything is a math-based approach um every every skills separation value is determined by math by the data um and there's a formula that goes into that so you know it's it's very proven out so so of the skills what have the highest separation value and for the average player let's say a 15 to 18 handicap how do, how should they assess what their their skills are or their what their proficiency in those areas are a lot of people are kind of surprised you know we know from strokes gained on the PGA tour that you know driving an approach shot and approach shots first because you have more of them but Approach shots and driving, the full swing skills are the highest separation value on the PGA Tour. And what a lot of people surprise, are surprised by is that that's pretty much true throughout golf. In fact, almost the same ratios apply at every level mm-hmm. that separate a 10 handicapper from a 20 handicapper are about the same ratio of skills that separate a 10 handicapper from a scratch player, a scratch player from a tour player, anything like that. And so driving and approach shots, are the SB4 skills and then game planning, you know, which again we talk about in our book as well. It's also an SB4 skill. Um, you know, the SB1 skills, the least important mm-hmm. skills are, you know, tap in the 15 to 25 foot putts that Dave mentioned, fairway bunker shots, 60 yard bunker shots, things like that. That oftentimes because you either can't separate yourself, you can't make or miss many more of them than someone else, or you just don't have them very often. Um, and so, one of the ways to assess it is, you know, we have some charts and stuff in our book and whatnot showing where if you're an 18 handicapper and you want to become a 12, oftentimes that's not a matter of improving your putting five shots, you know, to save those six strokes. Um, oftentimes it's a matter of getting near three or four more greens around and maybe hitting one or two more greens. So, you know, it's a matter of not taking penalty strokes. So we have the stats broken out for a lot of handicap ranges. Uh, so you can see what you need to do to get better. You know, oftentimes, again, it's driving the ball 10 yards farther. Um, and, uh, you know, it really isn't too much um, mm-hmm. at any one category, but the ones that are affected the most are the ball striking categories, which go toward getting near or on the green uh, in regulation. Yeah, and to follow up on that, like Eric said, our book and videos and the video set have a very have really good uh, kind of layouts of you know what you should expect if you're playing in these skill areas mm-hmm. if you're playing at a certain handicap level and then how to you know take and move to the next handicap level by improving those skill areas and um, one of the things that always gets mentioned is you know well you guys aren't talking about putting at all well it's not that we're not we're trying not to talk about putting and we know that the ball still has to be putted in the hole but what we know from a standpoint of separation value is that it not only tells us the important skills but it tells us how to govern your practice time right so how to spend that hour that you might have each week and what's sort of most important to that is understanding yeah putting matters but maybe not as much as other people think and then also the fact that it's it's quite a bit easier to learn and be good at compared to striking a five iron 175 yards and fairly straight or hitting a driver 280 yards um, you know, there's a lot of great stats out there that'll tell you, and we can find and, and point to, that'll say a typical 90 shooter 
might even out-putt a PGA Tour player in a nine-hole putting competition like 20% of the time. So what people need to realize is they're actually quite a bit closer to a high-level golfer putting rather than long, full-swing shots. And that's one of the reasons we you know, don't talk about putting quite as much as some. Yeah, people are generally very mm. bad at understanding. And a lot of it goes to how bad they are at understanding kind of a partial shot loss you know if you hit a driver and it goes pretty far but it's kind of behind a bush then <laughs> you've lost you know 0.6 shots or something like that because you gotta you know even if you can advance it toward the green now you have no chance to really hit the green and so they'll do that then they'll then they'll hit their chip to, to eight feet which was actually a good chip but then they'll miss that and <laughs> swear that they should be a better putter when a pga tour player makes 50 percent of their eight footers and they won't look back at that drive that hit the you know, was behind the bush that they could only chip it out to kind of, you know, 50 yards short of the green. Then they hit the 50 yard shot to eight feet, which was good. Yeah. And never mind the putter cost of the, the putt cost of the stroke. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, guys, one of the, one of the things that I can, I think helps say the, the, the good or, or high level player is kind of the game planning and stuff. And, uh, shot patterns and t- talk about that. Yeah, so great question. Um, and that's that's that leads right into sort of why what we say as far as the concept of the whole program in that you can shoot lower scores immediately. So every player has what we'd call uh, their own shot zone, and it's pretty easy to chart. Um, they they do tend to all look. We go over this in the book, and they tend to all look sort of a certain way. Um, but but everybody's varies different you know, a little, and it's easy to chart on your own. You can chart them on a range. You can probably have a good understanding. You can do it with a, your local instructor with a track man or a flight scope and things like that. But um, we'll have, you'll, you know, basically shot zones are, are determined by a player, you know, showing us hitting, you know, 10 or 20 shots. And we learn what the tendencies are for that player. So they can simply play to that shot rather than trying to, uh, perfect that shot. It, it becomes it becomes easier and quicker for a player to understand um, what their average shot is, rather than trying to you know make their average shot a whole lot better. Um, and you know a, a good example of that I always like to point to is you know we've all been maybe talked to a friend or somebody we teach or somebody who comes in the pro shop and they talk about the fact they shot 102 but they hit the great towering draw five iron on the one par three to three feet. And they want to know why they can't do that every time. Um, the answer there is that the, they're, they're looking at it the wrong way statistically. That shot, that perfect shot is the aberration. Um, they need to, they're planning for that perfect shot, and that's affecting their score. If they were planning for the fact that their shot tends to come up 10 yards shorter than they might want to believe and, and a little more right than they might, might want to believe and learn to aim long and left, scores will drop. Sure, yeah, sure. makes total sense, yep. In an interview with Brooks Kepka last week, and he was asked one of the, why he seems to raise his game so much for the for the majors, and one of the things he said was, "Well, you know, I just try to aim for the center of every green, and I really never go after any pins." And he he said, "Any of the any of the trouble, I just make sure that that's outside of my shot pattern." Yeah, I mean. That's fantastic advice for for the average person listening. That's for sure. Um, you know, we talk about 
that a lot, uh, what we call having realistic expectations and understanding that you can't shoot at every pin. You have to aim for what your shot pattern is and play sometimes for bogey avoidance as much, you know, more than trying to play to make birdies. Just the idea shoot lower scores on the golf course now is so appealing. You guys uh, and myself, of course, know you shoot a 91 in my case, and you think, ah, I'm terrible. And then you shoot an 80, 85, and you think, ah, I'm not bad. You know, it's six, it's six shots, and uh, however many, you know, is, is it three shots maybe you hit better, maybe stuck in your shot pattern, and uh, all of a sudden you're six shots better, and you, you feel pretty good going home. <laughs> yeah, golfers are great at conning themselves. Like they said, you know, <laughs> yeah. the guy hits the one good shot, and suddenly that's how far his five iron goes, and it should be a nice high draw when the other 95% of his five irons all fall short and right. So <laughs> just by understanding that and trying to hit the ball to the back left part of the green, 5% of the time he's going to miss long and left because he hit that, probably a pull uh, that drew. Um, but the rest of the time his shot pattern is going to be centered around the middle of the green a lot more often. Uh, and it does take some mental discipline to try to actually, if your shot pattern misses short and right of your target, you have to actually try to hit the ball to the back left part of the green, maybe even in the rough, so that when your ball comes up short and right, you're putting for birdie. And that's really hard. That's really hard for a lot of players to do. Um, it's, a, it's, the, it's Like Eric said, it's the discipline. It's the really difficult thing, but that's what it takes. It's, the, it's a lot. It has a big part of the reason why a lot of people will recommend or play and score better when they take the flags out of greens. We saw that recently with all the coronavirus stuff where some courses would just take the flags out of the green so you couldn't even possibly touch them or something like that. And people were like, now I just hit to the middle of the green and I'm finding that I'm scoring a lot better. I have a lot more birdie putts and stuff and I'm not trying to fire a flag even from 100 yards out or something like that. So, um, you know, that's always a good drill to do for people because when you're not presented with an actual flag stick out there, you know, the appeal of going for it or, or the lure or attraction to going for it is a lot lower, and people end up shooting better scores just because of that. Uh, a really great test for people listening to try to have a feeling if they maybe have any have an idea or if they're handling their own sort of shot zones, whether they know it or not, properly on the golf course, would be to ask themselves as they hit solid irons into greens throughout a, throughout a number of rounds, how many times they're missing a green long versus short. Um, we ask that question a lot. You can the average five to 25 handicap are missing green. They, they can literally remember the times they're missing greens long when they hit a ball solid. It almost never happens. And that's a, that's a good statistical example of where they have a problem understanding their own shot zones. I mean, we understand that maybe there's, it's worse to be long a little bit because of slopes to greens and things like that. But if you're st- if your shot zones are statistically, you know, proper, you should be missing greens long, at least a third of the time versus short. I mean, you know, there should not be, you know, uh, when, you, when you look at your misses, you shouldn't have 98% short and 2% long. That's, that's just, <laughs> you know, that's a that's a problem with your planning. So that's yeah, the practice plan that you were saying. is uh, It is difficult to, to put into practice, I'm sure, because being on the range, for instance, you're thinking, well, I'm going to aim at that flag, and then you think, no, I'm going to aim right and short of that flag or or left and long excuse me and uh, and then come up close it's it's really yeah. training isn't it yep to, it your, is, to your point i think most people assume and think they hit 
probably even better shots on the range than they really do because I think they tend to hit at general areas. You know, it's like I, I hit that sort of solid. I hit it over there. It was in the direction I was aiming. <laughs> they might, if they were a little more, you know, focused on, you know, very um, finite targets, they might realize that, you know, they might see that a little more too. Yeah, to your point, Dave, I, you know, I've, I've got a chart that I use with people and have them track rounds or track their approach shots and what quadrants they miss it in short right short left long left right long left and then the same on the greens and inevitably when they miss a green most people are short right and you know 60 70 80 percent short right and just by having a more realistic expectation of how far they hit their golf clubs yeah they play better golf yeah can you imagine if they were if you just could somehow fake them out and, you know, they didn't know what a green looked like or anything else. And you could just put the pin long and left of every green and let those people play how many times they hit the ball in the middle of the green. <laughs> it'd be shocking. <laughs> my, my son does some caddying. He's a golf professional and does some caddying. He's got a few people that he caddies for that he's just gone to giving them the yardage of about 10 to 12 yards longer than it actually is yeah and they all they love him caddying for him because they always play his best rounds (laughs) we use that all the time yeah good pro-am trick yeah that's right (laughs) yeah that's 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 perfect and it works quite well well guys i appreciate you sharing your knowledge How, how how do people learn more about lowest score wins so yeah and thank you we we really enjoy the time and get a chance to talk about this so um, you can find both. It's real simple. You can find both our book and our brand new video set, which is brand just newly released here just in the last couple of weeks um, at lowestscorewins.com. dot com. Um, everything everything is available there. Um, in fact, if uh, if your listeners, you know, if they there's email addresses on that site. If your listeners want to mention that they heard us um, on the radio show and just send an email to us at any time, too, we're happy to pass along a, a discount code for them for. Uh, the video set for sure, because that's newly released, and we're doing some introductory stuff on that. But, uh, yeah, we're happy to offer that. And then uh, on Twitter, we're at, at LowScoreWins as well. But, yeah, LowScoreWins.com is for sure the easiest place to find us. Well, we sure appreciate it, guys. This was uh, excellent. Good teaching tools. Now just uh, let's put them into practice, huh? <laughs> yep. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for having us. Great stuff, guys. Thank you. That's Eric, Eric Bar- Barzeski and uh, David Wedzik. They are the author of Lowest Score Wins, and uh, very, very entertaining, Chris. So that was good stuff. Great stuff. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and streaming at uh, lakeswoodsandirons.com. Also podcasting now at... Uh, Podcast MN. Podcast MN is a new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts, and uh, so try that out. Also on Facebook, Lakes Woods and Irons on Facebook. Chris, a special guest with us. I'll let you uh, handle the introductions. Yeah, I want to welcome my good friend John Pocus. John is the vice president of global business sales for a new, relatively new company called Theragun, and we go back a long time to his days as senior management at Calway. Welcome to the show, John. Well, thank you, Chris and Colin. A pleasure to join you guys on this uh, this fine afternoon. Nice to have you. We're just uh, talking off air. You're you're trapped in the house, so business is what kind of what you're concentrating on, John. <laughs> <laughs> it is in, in this new reality of uh, quarantine. I think it's day sixty-two, 
I've been in a condo here in Los Angeles about three blocks from our office. So I can, I walk around the corner, I can see the office of what it used to be like. Uh, <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, though, our business is doing really well with, uh, you know, health and wellness people looking, uh, you know, how to work out at home, how to take care of uh, their bodies at home, uh, our bodies resonating at, on Theragun.com. So it's been great. John, I always like to talk about things and people on the show that are not only good for golf, but good for your lifestyle. And Theragun is, is something that has been like a game changer for me. Uh, somebody who was on their feet all day and running all, all the time. But t- tell us about uh, what Theragun is. Well, it's uh, thank you for that, Chris. And, you know, I, I love to tell the story of how I came to this company. I was with Callaway Golfer. For 20 plus years, was you know looking to retire at Callaway, <clears throat> was recruited over to Theragun, and uh, was not interested in leaving the company. But uh, the CEO sent me the product overnight, and I got to use it. And, and uh, my wife always laughs me. She said, "I sound like an infomercial, and I, and I don't mean to." But I opened the product and I used it on my lower back, which I've had trouble with for years, and immediately had relief. And I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to be be part of this. And it's, you know, the products just changed my life. And so, so what is it? You know, in short, it's a handheld, deep tissue, deep muscle massage gun. And what makes this product so unique, <clears throat> excuse me, guys, is the power at which this small handheld device works. Uh, you know, it, it's got a little bit of a piston and an attachment. And that piston and attachment enter into your skin, into your muscle and tissue at about a half an inch of depth. And that half of an inch of depth, it does so at 40,000 percussions per second. And that quick movement on and off the skin, in and out of the muscle, provides a tremendous host of of benefits to the body. Uh, It helps the muscle uh, oxygenate, it moves the muscles, so it's like stretching. So it provides you, you know, a lot of warm-up feeling, you know, like as if you're stretching. And it also helps your muscles recover at the end of a hard day. You know, Chris, I know you're out on the, on the range all day with students. You know, helps the lower back, helps your legs, helps your shoulders, just helps your overall feeling of wellness. And uh, it's just a, it's a phenomenal product. Uh, so... That that's the Theragun story in, in a minute, <laughs> it's a couple of minutes. Yeah, I, I use it every night before I go to bed. But I since we reopened, I've also been using it kind of before. If I'm going to hit some balls, I'll use it on you know on my lower back, my shoulders, and it's amazing how much quicker my warm up is and how much better I hit it. It's it's funny that you bring that up, Chris, because we were talking uh, a few buddies of mine. We now do a, a little Zoom happy hour on Friday nights, and we were all laughing at us, us as all golfers. You know what warm up means to a golfer is is you know it varies the spectrum, but for many of us, warm up means jumping out of the car, running down to the tee, uh, taking two clubs, doing a couple of swings and some squat movement and then trying to hit swing up the club at 100 miles an hour it's no wonder we all have <laughs> lower back problems and uh, other injuries but you're 100 percent right if you just take the theragun and use it for you know four or five minutes taking from the top of your body to the bottom of your body 
our founder, Dr. Jason, will tell you five minutes with Theragun is like one hour of stretching. But I don't know about you two guys, but I haven't stretched for an hour and maybe ever. (laughs) (laughs) Combined, yeah. (laughs) Right. It really does help with with warm-up. And it's not just with golf. I mean, I feel better. I use mine every morning. I just I feel better throughout the day. I use mine as I'm now, you know, we're all locked at home on quarantine. My my stand up desk is at my office, so I've been back to a chair. I'm using it throughout the day. Just stand up, zap my legs, zap my back, zap my shoulders, and you know, really feel great. So not only post round, uh, pre round, obviously before maybe that uh, quick two swings with a golf club and. Uh, maybe as you're getting out of the car, you could try it for five minutes before you run to the first tee. Absolutely. I keep mine in the uh, in my locker at, at the club. I also have one in my golf bag, so I'll use it out uh, during the round. Um, would, we just did a, a, a podcast with Colin Morikawa, who's a, a PGA Tour pro, who's now our ambassador for Theragun on the tour. Uh, we just did a couple weeks ago. He actually will have his mini in his bag while he's out on tour. Uh, you know, he tends to have some little back spasms that hit him now and again, and uh, he's going to be having the mini in his bag, and he said he, he's more worried his caddy will be used more than he will. <laughs> <laughs> Might be a godsend for Freddie Couples. Wow. Yeah. Uh, believe me, I've tried to reach out to him. <laughs> I'll bet. <laughs> John, I noticed this week in Golf Digest that you guys have kind of rebranded yourself to uh, uh, Therabody, and you've got some new products as well. Yeah, so the the move to Therabody was um, uh, obviously a purposeful decision to rebrand the company. Therabody is now, if you think of it, that's the umbrella, the overarching company name, Therabody under which is the Theragun Vice business, which is really how we got started and have had this amazing, successful run over the last three years. So there'll be Theragun Device, and under Therabody will also be TheraOne, which is a new CBD line that we are introducing on July 7th. Um, you know, golfers, the golf vertical in particular has had some some success with CBD products. You know, it's, it's become more mainstream. The product is phenomenal. Uh, we've, we were, uh, we bought our own farm in, in Colorado. We're controlling everything from seed to, to product in the marketplace. Uh, we'll be 100% USDA certified organic. And we really think it, it broadens our appeal as a health and wellness company. You know, we're a tech wellness company and having devices that you can also use with the CBD lotions and creams and sticks uh, really increases the efficacy both of the CBD and the device when they're used together. So we think it's another uh, step in the right direction to helping, uh, in in our case, golfers uh, with both warm-up and recovery now with devices and CBD. Boy, John, it just seems like it's such a a wide open, I mean, golfers for sure, myself uh, included, I'm uh, one of those run to the tee guys, it seems like, with work and all those kind of things getting in the way. But um, uh, lots of people obviously could could utilize this. It, it really does. It, when I, when we started, uh, when I started with the company nine months ago, the, the, the focus in all of our social media was very fitness oriented. Uh, you know, a lot of our social media, you know, is really good fit athletes. Uh, but we've started 
to realize over the last three years that this product, really every single person on earth could be a, a p- potential user of the product. It's, it's that beneficial. Um, and now we're starting to realize as we expand into golf and bike and run and hockey and lacrosse and medical, uh, we're expanding our verticals because really everybody can use the product. And so it does benefit from, you know, my grandmother uh, down to, uh, you know, famous athletes like Christian Ronaldo that use the product. So it's, it's, it's out there for everybody. So all us guys like myself who are carrying 40 pounds, you know, that's a tough workout in itself. So this could really, this could really help. <laughs> I, I'm with you. I think there's more of us than there are Christian Ronaldo. <laughs> John, how can uh, well, people get this product? Chris, you want to talk about your experience with it a little too? Well, kind of like I was saying earlier, it's it's been a game changer for me as far as the way I feel on a daily basis. And, um, you know, I stand on my feet all day and my calves tend to get tight and I get leg cramps in the middle of the night and that would lead to my back tightening up. And But I'll tell you, since I started using Theragun, I, have, I don't have those leg cramps anymore, so my back doesn't hurt anymore and I sleep better. Yeah, and, and uh, Colin, to answer your question on how you get it, uh, yeah. obviously you can go to www.theragun.com. Uh, we're also now in the rebranded www.therabody, T-H-E-R-A-B-O-D-Y, therabody.com. And we're also uh, servicing golf professionals and pro shops around the country. Uh, we're also in significant uh, big box retailers like PGA Tour Superstore and Golf Galaxy. And uh, just growing uh, so that where golfers are, they should be seeing our product. And if they don't, um, just go to theragun.com and products available there. Fantastic, John. This is, a, yeah, this is a, like Chris says, a game changer. This sounds like uh, something a lot of people can use, including myself. So very interesting. Sure appreciate you taking the time, John. Well, thank you all for having me. Colin, Chris, uh, absolute pleasure. I enjoyed spending some time with you this morning. Thanks very much, John. I appreciate it. All right. See you all. You're Thanks. listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and available now at Podcast MN. Podcast MN, find us there. And also on our Facebook page, Lakes, Woods, and Irons, leave Chris a message or a question there about the game of golf and uh, we'll do our best to answer those for you. Chris, uh, PGA Tour resuming the schedule next month in Texas and uh, starting to see the first kind of uh, I guess COVID rules roll out for lack of a better term but uh, obviously want to be careful want to keep people out there on the golf course as much as we can so the, the tour players really have to set the example for everybody. Okay. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, Mac. You know, no no fans in the stands and no grandstands for that matter. But uh, uh, I found it interesting. You know, there's still going to be 1,100 essential people at the at the tournament. So players, caddies, clubhouse staff, trainers, equipment reps, all that. That's amazing, but, isn't it? <laughs> uh, it is amazing. You you don't realize how many people it takes to uh, to conduct a PGA Tour event, but. Uh, yeah, the, the players are going to, they, they have to be tested before they leave for the tournament. And then they're going to be tested on site daily. 
couple weeks ago that we talked about how many test kits the tour was going to need. And I, I guess if you're testing players daily, you're definitely going to need that. But, uh, you know, among the rules, caddies aren't, caddies are going to be allowed to t- carry the players bags. They'll rake the bunkers. They were talking before about no, no bunker rakes and the, the caddies are going to handle the pins. And before they said that they were going to have to leave the pins in, but, uh, uh, players have to pull their own club. The, ca- the caddy can't hand them the club. Makes sense. I mean, that's uh, – and a test every day is good. I, I think with all sports, with all major sports, trying to start up again, it's not, we can't be naive enough to think nobody's going to get the coronavirus because, of course, they are. You just have to uh, be ready to uh, limit that as much as possible. And, you know, if a player tests, then uh, they probably got to sit out two weeks, whatever, the, whatever, right. whatever that ruling turns out to be. Yeah, it certainly seems like if, if if you're testing on a daily basis like that, you're you're definitely going to minimize the risk to uh, you know to whoever who you're coming in contact with. So it's called the Health and Safety Plan, and it's uh, 37 pages long. So some of the guys are thinking, "Man," <laughs> but yeah, that's the way of the world nowadays. It outlines practices in the driving range, putting green other areas around the club. So I suppose uh, logistics of where all the players are going to stay, that's going to be very important, just to try not to put everybody on top of each other probably. Yeah, they're, you know, along that lines, they're going to have uh, one hotel set up for um, you know, all the players, caddies, uh, any of those essential uh, employees. And then um, they, have a, they have charter flights that it'll be limited to 170 seats. So uh, if the players don't have private aircraft to utilize, they'll, they'll be able to use the charter flights. The players have to stay at where the host hotel is unless they have prior, uh, prior, prior approval from the tour. So wow. I suppose if you live in that town, you right. probably stay at home, but otherwise you're staying at the hotel. No kidding. Yeah. We like to get it, a tip. Uh, a tip or a question every week, Chris, and you got uh, you got one this week, and we'll we'll go there. Uh, travel down the uh, the uh, teacher coach road here for a second. Yeah, one of our uh, one of our loyal listeners, Troy Ingram, who's also a student of mine, uh, sent me a question question yesterday. He said, uh, you know, I I've been so busy. Troy's a, a FedEx driver, so he's he's rocking and rolling right now with nobody able to go out and shop, but he said, I haven't been able to practice. Are mental reps as equally as good to, to practicing? And I think that's a great question. And I, I really believe you can enhance your golf game, change your golf swing by just thinking of it in the right way and, uh, and mentally practicing and making great golf swings. And um, I'll tell you a great example of that is, there was a great book written in, in the in the late 60s by Dr. Maxwell Maltese called Psycho-Cybernetics. And in Psycho-Cybernetics, Dr. Maltese is, it was a plastic surgeon, and he saw the effects that changing somebody's perception of themselves had on how they, how they believed in themselves and their performance. And he studied this, and and one of the case studies in the book was about a Vietnam prisoner of war. And this guy was in solitary confinement for over three years. He was a golfer. And when he 
when he went into solitary confinement, he was like a 10 handicap. And the thing that got him through this time period was in his mind every day, he played hundreds of holes of golf. And, you know, playing in his mind, he never missed a shot. He just played great golf all that time. When he was released from uh, his prisoner war camp, when he started playing golf again, he was playing around scratch golf. No kidding. But, yeah. <laughs> And, you know, so I, I think I think mental imagery of practicing your golf swing and hitting great shots uh, can be as powerful or more powerful as actual practice. Yeah, that that's good. That almost tie, that ties back somewhat to our guests today, too, uh, as far as the lowest score wins. I've been looking. We talked about my scorecard last week. So then again, this following week, I was looking at it and you kind of sit at home. It's amazing how golfers are you know, and uh, look at it, and I, I played better the previous week. So then you look at your scorecard, and in your mind you're thinking, okay, I was behind that tree, shouldn't have been there. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can you can kind of map out, you know, like we talked last week, four or five shots pretty easy just by a decision or two made out on the golf course. Yeah, no question. And, and the power of vis- visualization is so great, uh, and that that really shines through in golf. And uh, we, so many times we self-actualize, you know, we go up to a tee and all we're thinking about is, is the out of bounds, right. And the water left and, <laughs> and we're, we're visualizing hitting that poor shot. You know, I, we've, I think we've talked about it on the show before, but one of the difference between a, a, the elite player and the, the average players, they, they have a, uh, awareness of their, they still have the same negative thoughts, but they have an awareness of it. And they've developed mechanisms to redirect those negative thoughts into positive ones. So if you, if you, you know, if you, if you can make that, that's part of, um, you know, having a great pre-shot routine is, is getting your, getting your mindset in the right frame and, and, and visualizing the positive shot, not the negative. That's good advice. Yeah. And Troy is, he's a worker, so he's, he's sitting on his couch visualizing when he can't, when he can't get out and play. (laughs) That's right. That'll probably help. We had great uh, guests, uh, Chris. Good, good job lining them up. John Polkis, Vice President of Global Business Development at Theragun and and Therabody, quite an interesting product uh, just for uh, muscle relief and stretching and that kind of thing. Simplifies uh, your life really, and sounds like it makes it better. Then also Eric Barzeski and David Wedzik. They are the author of Lowest Score Wins. And lowscorewins.com, you can find their product line, uh, both uh, both video and book, I believe, correct? Correct. Uh, sounds like, I think I might get both products this week. I, I think you're, uh, I think it would be good for both. Who doesn't want something called the Theragun, Chris? No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Thank you, Matt. You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.